Welcome to the Fed Heads, a weekly podcast from Grant Thornton Public Sector. Join the Fed Heads, Robert Shea and Francis Rose, each week to talk about the arcana of government management and the people who are working hard every day to improve it. Welcome to episode 173 of Fed Heads. I'm Francis Rose. And I'm Robert Shea. And this is a milestone episode. This huh. is a big freaking deal. How so? This is the first episode that you and I have done in the same location, other than like a pop-up episode or something silly where I came to your house, in 18 months. We are in studio. We're actually in the FedHead studio. Yep. FedHead's world headquarters. We We're are, here. We are vaccinated. Yep. How many people do we pass on the way here? Basically zero. That's right. Pretty much zero. And this is the world in which we live today. But it's great to be with you. It's great to be able to see your face while we're having our banter. Well, it's great to see you as well. I enjoyed the convenience of the remote episodes, but there's just nothing like actually being in the same room and doing it. And it will be better. I mean, I imagine at some point we'll get back to having the guests in the studio. I hope so. I'm just looking around, though, and there's room here for the cow. We could put the cow... (laughs) No painting up. No, yeah. I think I think Ava really likes the cow. Yeah. Well, we could buy another one. No, we no. I don't want you to go to that expense. That's too much. That's way too much. Uh, in case someone is just joining us for the first time, Robert has these paintings of cows in a room in his house that we've done the show from, and they're scary. They spook me, and I just can't. I can't deal with the cow. I don't understand it. First of all, like why you get a painting of a big Holstein's head and hang it on your wall. I mean, I I just, I'm not saying you shouldn't have done it. I just don't understand it. You're obviously not a seventh generation Texan who's descended from cattle ranchers. No, all of those facts are correct. All of those facts are correct. Hence my lack of understanding about why you would get a painting of a cow. The bottom line is there was a bare wall that needed something on it. Okay. I, I wouldn't have gone for the cow, but here we are. We're back here. On the other hand, we have the big heads of us that are on the wall here. That's right. I think I might prefer the cows. I'm not sure what to do with that, so we'll just ignore it and move on. There's just so much happening right now. First of all, kudos to you on your prediction, I think it was like two months ago, that there's no possible way we were going to have budget bills done and we were destined for a continuing resolution. Well, I'm not sure I deserve a lot of credit for that because if history's a guide, that's going to be the case no matter what. But you're right. Here we are, late September, with a budget deal unpassed, looking at the specter of a shutdown. Uh, At the same time, you've got a debt limit that's going to be hit pretty soon and important disaster aid that needs to be distributed. Full disclosure, we're recording this on Wednesday, right before this podcast comes out on Monday. So in the event that something happens between now and then, and our remarks are overcome by events, I recommend to you, the listener, just rewind and listen to the cow banter again and and just, and just forget the rest of this. Yeah, that clarification was completely unnecessary uh, because mark my words... Uh, even though we'll be closer to the deadline, we won't have a deal in place. You don't think anything's going to happen between now and A Monday? lot will happen by then, and the situation will be clearer. But nonetheless, we won't have uh, entered into a continuing resolution yet. All those things need to be worked out. The House has passed 
a continuing resolution with debt ceiling relief, send it over to the Senate. The Senate is posed to reject that. Mm -hmm. So uh, until we get a clean continuing resolution in place, we won't have a clear idea of what federal funding looks like through the end of the calendar year, at least. And I'm not sure when we'll see how the debt ceiling issue will be resolved. I've talked about this with a couple of people on my new gig. Can I plug my new gig? Of course you can plug. So my new gig is at FedScoop. And I'm the host of what's called the Daily Scoop Podcast. So I'm oh, doing a you podcast. You didn't tell me you were going to plug another podcast. Oh, I mean, what did you expect? I, we just probably lost, the new gig. We probably just lost dozens of listeners. Now, why would somebody stop listening to this and go listen to that instead of listening to FedHeads? That's a good question. I think I might go listen to your other podcast. I highly see. recommend it because it's fantastic. I'm sure it is. It's, it's as good as this one. Well said. Very it, diplomatic. It's equally as good as this podcast. It's a different kind of thing. It's more a uh, formal news type program. Although we do have a good time on that show really too. Exciting. The tenor of the conversation around the shutdown seems to be that you pull the debt limit out and you have a chance to maybe do something that extend the bill they're considering would extend into beginning of December. And then, of course, as you said, and as they say in the uh, finance community, past performance is not necessarily an indicator of future returns. But we can be pretty much sure that if they write a CR that lasts till the beginning of December sometime, we're going to be back talking about the same stuff at the end of November, aren't we? We sure will. This is a perennial podcast topic. Right. (laughs) You know what we could do? We could just go back to like, I don't know, I'm just going to guess it was probably in the episode 120s somewhere about a year ago and just run that one over again. We could see if it still works. Probably would be exactly the same. But you know, what's different about this time is that we've also got $800 billion infrastructure package, which has got bipartisan, bipartisan agreement that Congress is trying to push through at the same time it's trying to advance a $3.5 trillion partisan reconciliation bill. All of this together places enormous pressure on agencies. You've got agencies that are looking down the barrel of some multiple of their annual normal spending that they're going to have to drive through existing some new programs this is going to strain the bureaucracy even greater than the pandemic has yeah. uh, because it's all different kinds of spending. It's new programs. It's an amount that they've not been seen. I'm not suggesting that all that money is going to get enacted, but some portion of it, of it will likely be. And so the strain on agencies is, is and is going to continue to be tremendous. This is also happening at a time when agencies have a human capital crisis like they haven't seen for years and years. Everybody has a human capital crisis. Well, that's true. There's there's an immigration crisis. Companies across the country cannot staff because of the shortage in workers, and that's impacting the federal government as well, which has always had a terrible time recruiting and retaining people. Speaking of the human capital crisis everywhere, this blew my mind. I saw this on Bloomberg television the other day. Spart- Plugging another network. I mean, come on. I've got to give them credit where credit's due. Come on. Spartan Nash CEO Tony Sarsom says it really is a war for talent. About 10% of our new hires now don't show up on the first day. Wow. Like one out of 10 employees that they hire just gets a better offer, decides they're not going to take it. and does. I mean, that's where we are right now. And I'm assuming people don't just go, well, I don't feel like it. I assume they're getting better offers and they're, I mean, they have poor manners for not reaching out and saying they're not coming. But I mean, that's, 
that's the essence in my mind of where we are today in the human capital crisis. And I wonder what that means for the federal government. Yeah, I, I hope hopefully that's not happening to them. If you've gone through the federal hiring press process, I imagine you really want that job and will show up to work. I will take a moment to say, if you're interested in joining a global <laughs> consulting firm, please reach out to me at your earliest convenience. Nice plug. That was very smoothly done. Um, I don't even know what to do with that, to be honest with you. So I will just move on and uh, ask you, what do you expect to see regarding the staffing of those initiatives that you just talked about, given the expansion? I mean, I wonder what we know, if anything yet, about whether there are budget lines for people to execute all of those things included in the money that's going or the agency's just getting this money and being told, you figure it out. I, I think in most cases, you are seeing an administrative set aside to help agencies meet this demand. Whether it'll be equal to the task remains to be seen. We just talked about a hiring crisis. They got all the money in the world. Will they be able to hire the people to do the job? So let's set that aside. I think what you've got to grapple with is the challenge of relying on existing programs, but imposing additional controls to ensure the money goes to the right people in the right amount at the right time. If you're standing up new programs, you need to probably establish a whole new line of communication with the beneficiaries or stakeholders of those programs. That's a whole change management initiative you have to have in place, along with the balance of controls and speed. So agencies will have to really huddle uh, create a project management infrastructure around the distribution of these benefits services to make sure they're doing it responsibly, quickly, safely. All right. Personal sharing time. What did you like the most about doing the FedHead show from remote? And what did you like the least about doing it remote? I agree with you that it was convenient that um, logistics was much easier than having to come into the office, uh, handle guests, make sure the equipment was working. Doing it remotely, we didn't have much, uh, as much of that nearly. But looking you in the eye, seeing your smile and face oh. in person, body language is, is as important in meetings just as it, as it is here. Mm -hmm. um, by the way, I have a note here from HR that they want to talk to you about handling the guests. <laughs> That, that they really would prefer that you didn't do that anymore. Again, HR? Yeah. Yeah, always with the HR. Uh, it's great to see. Uh, it's wonderful to be back in person, and I'm excited that we're going to – We're the, the guests for the foreseeable future will still be on remote. But we'll be here. But we'll person. be here. Coming to you live from the – Well, no, it's recorded. Oh. Because, like I said, this is Wednesday – and we're, this is going to come out on Monday. Thank God there's a media professional in the room. Where? <laughs> Thanks for listening to The Fed Heads, brought to you by Grant Thornton Public Sector. All of the resources talked about during the episode are available in the episode description. We'd love to hear from you. Connect with us on Twitter at GT Public Sector to join the conversation. And don't forget to leave us a comment or review on iTunes or the Google Play Store. <laughs>